Okay, sports people, another episode of Just for Sport with Jamoke here on this Thursday. We're going to talk NFL mock drafts as we are one week away from what is one of the more exciting days in not just the football offseason, but sports in general, especially day one NFL draft. Something is definitely in the water in D.C. as the Wizards not only beat the Warriors. Now, the matchup against Steph Curry and Bradley Beal wasn't what I was hoping for, but the Wizards are playing well, and they moved up into that 10 spot for the play NBA's play-in tournament. We'll look at the big games, some big games on tonight as well. In the European Soccer League, it was a great, great inaugural season. It lasted two days. I know it really wasn't the season, but whatever it was, it's done already. And I'm going to say why I thought it actually had a shot. I'll get into that. But yes, we're a week away from the NFL draft. And I wonder how many people are excited about it excited what it means for your teams, wondering who's going to trade up or down. But the the cool thing is, you know, looking at some of the mock drafts, a lot of QBs taken early. Five quarterbacks possibly being taken in the first seven picks. I mean, that'd be kind of crazy, right? That seems like a lot, but that's a possibility. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson to the Jets, Mac Jones to the 49ers, Trey Lance to the Falcons, Justin Fields to the Patriots. The very top heavy mock draft. And for me, you know, I was trying to think about if you're looking at these teams, how many of these quarterbacks have a chance not just to win right away, but should the pick go the way you expect it to, what team would you take a flyer on to think you're looking at teams to make the playoffs, maybe even to be a division winner, and you could take a flyer on them? But you almost have to take a flyer on them before the draft starts because these may go off the board quickly. Jacksonville, I don't know. Jets, I don't know. San Francisco, yes. Assuming that they're going to do something with Jimmy Garoppolo. But I like their defense. It'll be interesting to see if what Mac Jones could do. The Falcons... So, first of all, 49ers at plus 200 to win the NFC West. I don't know if you necessarily see Mac Jones taking the field that early, but just throwing it out there, hypothetically, if these quarterbacks that were taken were immediately going to start. You know Trevor Lawrence is going to start. The Jaguars are at plus 800 to win the AFC South. I I don't see that. The Jets, were they to take... Zach Wilson, they're at plus 2,000 to win the AFC East. I don't see that either. San Francisco, 
49ers, Mac Jones, yes, I could see that. I would take that up. But it's only plus 200. It's not a a huge windfall, so to speak. Trey Lance with the Falcons. The Falcons are a plus 1,000. Decent offense, good defense. But if Tom Brady's under center for the Bucs, uh, no. But considering you don't know what's going to happen with the Panthers... Or with the Saints, now that Drew Brees, who I said I thought he was going to come back once Tom Brady said he was, but obviously he's not, maybe take a flyer on the Falcons at plus 1,000. The New England Patriots. To take Justin Fields as the quarterback, possibly with the seventh pick, the Patriots are at plus 350. Pay a dollar to win $3.50 to win the AFC East. Buffalo Bills are favored at minus $150. And the Miami Dolphins are at plus $325. I'd take that. I would take that. I was trying to see if there are any real long shots that you could think of a player being able to come in and make a big difference. And not just a big difference for the team in terms of, as I was talking about, who could you take as a long shot um, to make the playoffs if they drafted that quarterback, um, a specific quarterback, and he was hypothetically going to start. But also looking at the awards for Offensive Rookie of the Year, Should the Steelers make this pick, which there have been some mock drafts that said maybe they would take Najee Harris, is a lot of quarterbacks. A lot of quarterbacks who you would think that would be easy to say, okay, they're going to win Rookie of the Year. But Najee Harris at plus 1,600? Trevor Lawrence is at plus 200. Justin Fields at plus 400. Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, the first non-quarterback is Kyle Pitts at plus 1,000. Jamar Chase at plus 1,400 behind Trey Lance. And then Najee Harris, Devonta Smith, Travis Etienne. So it's mostly quarterbacks. A lot of quarterbacks in there possibly to get Offensive Rookie of the Year. But that's neat that you can vote for Offensive and then Defensive Rookie of the Year. And the first defensive player in the aggregate of mock drafts is Patrick Sertain the second. He's at plus a thousand. Jalen Phillips is also at plus a thousand. JC Horn at plus fifteen hundred. Caleb Farley 
was at plus 1,200. Micah Parsons is at plus 400 to get Defensive Rookie of the Year. Micah Parsons is the favorite, and he is slated in the mock drafts at pick number nine to go to the Denver Broncos. So we'll see. It'll be interesting next week to see how the NFL draft is going to go. I like the quote from the the Jets saying that the chances of them trading their pick is a quote-unquote urban myth. Dave Gettleman, the current general manager of the Giants, said it's a urban that he's unwilling to trade back in the NFL draft. You think he was anyway thinking about Urban Meyer? The coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? That's the first thing that came to my mind that it was some kind of a nod to what may happen with the number one pick. Gettleman said, quote, I've tried in the past, honest, I've tried to trade back. But it's got to be value. I'm not getting fleeced. I refuse to do it. If someone wants to make a bad trade back, God bless them. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be fun to see all of the mock drafts and the coverage over the next week leading up to Thursday night. It'll be exciting. It really will be. What is also exciting is the NBA is coming down to the end of the regular season as teams are jockeying for playoff spots. And two of the hottest teams and really three of the hottest teams are all in the east they are all in the east you've got the Toronto Raptors sitting at the 11th spot so they're on the outside looking in they're 6 and 4 in their last 10 but they've won four in a row. And the team that leapfrogged them to get into that 10th spot is the Washington Wizards, who are 8-2 and two in their last 10, and they've won six in a row. And then the New York Knicks, who've won eight games in a row. Nobody saw that coming. 
Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. But I'm going to guess that most of you out there probably did not. Now, they aren't going to win their division. The Sixers are at the top of the Atlantic division. They have a seven-game lead on the Knicks, and the Nets are right behind the Sixers, only a half a game back. But that's good value, though. You can get the Nets right now at plus 250 to win the Atlantic. That might be worth a dollar. Might be worth a dollar. The Memphis Grizzlies have not really played well of late. They've lost two in a row. But at plus 600 to win the division when they're only two games behind the Mavericks... That's not a bad play. And the Clippers are a game and a half behind the Suns. You can get that at plus 125 on DraftKings. Why not? But this is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to, you know, I feel like you've seen a lot of or heard or seen a lot of coaches and players talk about they're not really looking forward to the play-in tournament. But I think it does have an opportunity to add a little excitement to the game. I think it's really good for the league. And you don't just have races. I mean, two games, two and a half games separate the ninth seed from the 11th seed. The Bulls and Raptors on the outside looking in. I know in many ways, uh, you know, Orlando traded away Vucevic. The Bulls felt like, as I talked about it right after the trade, that the Bulls are, you know, putting their chips in. They're going for it this season. They're going for it all. But unfortunately, they're going in the wrong direction. Four and six in their last ten. But Toronto's just now getting healthy. As I mentioned, that was a team that I think that if you wanted to put your money on them, I think that's a team that you could They're at plus 500. The Wizards are at plus 300. The Raptors get it going. Who knows? But you've got, you know, two or three games that separate the Pacers and the Bulls. It's four teams. you got Pacers, Wizards, Toronto Raptors, and Chicago Bulls. Tampa Bay Raptors, sort of. (laughs) All vying for those last two spots. I don't see Charlotte falling down 
that far. The Pacers are two and a half games behind Charlotte, but Charlotte's five and six in their last ten. But then you've also got one game, or one and a half game, excuse me, separating the fourth seed from the seventh seed. Knicks, Hawks, Celtics, Heat. That's going to be fun to watch. That's going to be a lot of... uh. A lot of drama. The Heat are 6-4 in their last 10. They've won three in a row, making a push. The Celtics, who for a while were below 500, 8-2 in their last 10. In the West, it's a little more spread out. You know, I think the Pelicans, you can get them at plus 650 to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to even make the play-in tournament. They're three and a half games out. I know everybody would love to see Zion in the play-in tournament. But they're four and six in their last ten. They've lost four in a row. I don't even know if their head coach will make it. Let alone the team. Alvin Gentry could have done this. Bad. Poorly. 25 and 33 on the season. But the Spurs have a three and a half game lead over the Pelicans. Warriors who just lost to my Wizards. I thought Beal and Steph would both go off. Actually, Beal is no longer the leading scorer in the NBA. Steph Curry took that spot from him and may hold on to it the rest of the season, which may be a good thing for the Wizards. Financially. Although I do think Beal will probably make All-NBA and then Beal will maybe get traded. I know Washington fans, including myself, don't want to see that. But, you know, those kind of things happen. When a player is set to make, what, $250, $60 million, it's like this team isn't going anywhere. But three games separate the 7th seed from the 10th seed in the West. Mavericks, Grizzlies, Warriors, Spurs. And then one and a half games separate the sixth and seventh spot. Trailblazers and Mavericks. So I feel like the Mavericks are the only team to have a chance to catch the Blazers, who are three and seven in their last ten. They've lost three in a row. But the top four teams in the Western Conference, Jazz, Suns, Clippers, and Nuggets, are all on... Multiple game win streaks. Still don't understand, as I say every podcast, how Donovan Mitchell and Chris Paul are not in the conversation for MVP. is beyond me. You want to pick all of these tall dudes and Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, who of course they should be dominating when you're seven feet. I mean, I guess it's ridiculous for me to say that, right? That's what you're going to say. But I'm like, no. That's why, you know, when I think of what Allen Iverson did dominating the league. Yeah, I'm going all the way back to Allen Iverson. My man was like six feet. Killing. Killing the league. You couldn't stop him. It's a lot harder in my mind to stop a Joel Embiid and a Nikola Jokic than it is to stop a six-foot player. But apparently, that doesn't get you anything. The fact that they're dominating even at their height. And 
yeah, the Phoenix Suns have Devin Booker, but we know what this team was like before that. But as I started this conversation, there's something in the water in D.C. They're playing well. Maybe it took them a while to figure it out. Maybe that's all it was. This European soccer league, that didn't last very long. It didn't last long at all. Did that surprise you? It surprised me the amount of fans that were not only pro- protesting this European Super League, but you hear about Man United fans breaking into the training grounds to protest. All of the English Premier League teams pulling out of the European Super League before it even gets started. It lasted a day. Even the powers that be, like Barcelona president Laporta, said that the European Super League, quote, is a necessity. But that the club members were at the last word in the proposal. And all six English clubs, as well as Inter Milan and Atletico Madrid, have withdrawn three days after it was launched. Three days. Laporta said that the league still exists and the clubs are going to, they're going to talk with UEFA about how to position this league he went on to say quote it's absolutely necessary that the big clubs given that we generate a lot of revenue we want to have the capacity to have our say on the sharing process and also we believe it's important that this is accompanied by an attractive competition based on sporting merit We are the defenders of maintaining local leagues and therefore we are always open to dialogue with UEFA. That is the premise. Everyone wants to make football better and have the necessary resources to make it a great spectacle because if the big clubs don't have the resources, football will be damaged. There will be institutional harmony and the willingness to think about all of this. There was a series of pressure which made some clubs pull out or value it in a different way. But the fact is that the proposal still exists, but more resources are needed given that we have important investment. We paid important salaries. And if we want football to be a spectacle through sporting merits, whoever wants this level of quality to be maintained must take into account what we are proposing. I mean, the weird thing is that when I think of the fans that are complaining about the league, and it was really the fans that made the the leagues, the league in my mind's fold. Come on, they're still existing. No, not if you already lost almost half the teams, more than half the teams. 
it's not like football was going to go away. As I said, I think most of it had to deal with the teams wanting to get more stake financially. That UEFA and FIFA are taking away money from the teams. Was it ever really a, a level playing field? It were always the same teams at the top. That's that's my view of it. This Super League wasn't to say get rid of the other leagues or the other teams. I mean, I know you're probably thinking, and I'm thinking too, I guess, long-term maybe the European Super League was going to take over, but that was never the case. I don't think it would ever have been the case. It just would have been another league that showcased the top teams. I actually wonder in some ways how it would have taken money away from the other leagues. Unless, obviously, they weren't going to play in Champions League. But it's gone already that fast. It even lasts as long as the XFL that thought that they were going to, you know, be the, the next football league with the NFL. And already the European Soccer League is gone. I wish there was like odds on how long the league would last. You put three days, I imagine you would have maybe made a killing. That would have been pretty wild. But it's over. They say it's not over. I know. If you don't have a teams, you don't have a league. And they lost all of the European leagues in 48 hours. Not good, not good. All right, I hope you enjoyed Just for Sport, listening to my ramblings, what's going on inside my brain in sports, the excitement I have for the NFL draft next week, the playoff push in the NBA. It's going to be fun. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Ciao for now.